0: This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. Experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit canduwealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Oscar Henderson and I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Isabel Hardman. Now, Rishi Sunak has taken the opportunity at PMQs today to announce the government's plan to compensate those affected in the post office scandal. Here is what he had to say. Uh, But today I can announce that we will introduce new primary legislation to make sure that those convicted as a result of the Horizon scandal are swiftly exonerated and compensated. We will also introduce a new upfront payment of £75,000 for the vital GLO group of Postmasters. And can I thank my honourable friend, the member for and Moulton, for all his hard work on this issue. He will set out more details to the House shortly. We will make sure that the truth comes to light, we right the wrongs of the past, and the victims get the justice they deserve. So, Isabel, just to start with, could you maybe take us through a bit more of the detail on what the government have announced?
1: Yeah, so we're still getting the precise detail on this legislation um, because it was first announced by the Prime Minister in response to a planted question at the start of PMQs. Uh, You often get these first questions before the leader of the opposition gets to ask theirs to head off um, an uncomfortable six questions for the Prime Minister. So this planted question was from Lee Anderson, who's the Deputy Chair of the Conservative Party. Um, doesn't always behave like he's deputy chair of the Conservative Party. But today he was being helpful and he allowed the prime minister to announce this legislation, which will effectively lead to a mass exoneration of uh, those sub postmasters who were wrongly convicted using Horizon evidence and so that was the announcement we then had a statement from kevin hollinrake um, the minister who deals with postal services and this was giving a little bit more detail on the bill which is going to be introduced in in the next few weeks and this will enable those who were convicted to sign a statement saying they were innocent which sounds a bit odd and i suppose is a bit odd legally but what it does is is basically hold them to something that they can then be prosecuted for again if it turns out that they actually were stealing from the post office. Because as Kevin Hollenrake said in the Commons when he was giving his statement, one of the risks of this imperfect scheme is that it could mean that some people are exonerated who were not victims in this and I think there are also much wider implications of this. You know, this is, I think, the first time ever that the British government has introduced legislation to overturn verdicts in the courts in this way. And I think legal experts are sort of trying to work out where this has happened in other countries other than sort of after revolutions. And so. There are some anxieties, some quite big anxieties um, within the the legal world over the precedent that this could set for sort of erosion of the separation of powers between Parliament and the judiciary. That was why yesterday Alex Chalk, who's the Justice Secretary, said that the government wanted to exhaust all options uh, before taking this radical Approach now. Clearly, it's had a very exhausting uh twelve twenty four hours um, because we now have this legislation being announced, um, and I, I think the you know we've had lots of discussion of you know why hasn't this been bigger issue until now? Why did it take an ITV drama um uh, to lead to this? But I think what has really happened is that this has become a political issue rather than a policy issue. And so Kevin Hollinrake, who's been working very hard on this for a very long time, who's had constituents who were affected by this, he now has the power from above um, to do uh, what he's probably wanted to do for for quite a while.
0: Casey, do you think this from the government puts the issue to bed?
2: I don't think it puts the issue to bed. I think it's the beginnings of a potential way of resolving this. I think for some of those affected, they feel their lives have been so disrupted. Um, you read some of the stories, You know, those who've said they've had suicidal thoughts, stories about what's done to their families, what it's done to their livelihoods, that I think obviously having a verdict overturned and having compensation, and the 70,000 is just the beginning of that. And it, all they said as the indication from the government you can pursue further compensation. That is just going to be a step, I think, to improving things. I don't think it's going to undo what's happened, and I think in terms of obviously the stages now full full the government's plan. This is primary legislation that's going to come to the House of Commons in the chamber. Labour were positive about this, saying they want to work with the government. They are open to so I think you are going to see uh, you know a cross party effort to get this through. And that's not to say you know the parties won't perhaps try and push it in certain ways when it comes to the, the amounts or the way they're doing things but I think to Isabel's point about how it's now become a political problem I think what's interesting it's almost become a political problem for every party because this scandal has been going on for such a long time you can't just say oh this is just this small part of the Tory government it goes over to the coalition Ed Davey not at Prime Minister's questions today apparently for personal reasons yeah. rather than because he is simply dodging this Um but lots of questions for Ed Davey you have the Liberal Democrats here now you know they've come up with a line that Lib Dems are to send out when they get questions from constituents about it, which in itself su- suggests there's quite a lot of, uh, you know, messages coming in. Yeah. And then on the Labour side, I don't think it's quite taken off in this way, but you have, uh, you know, Pat McFadden did a broadcast round, and then all of a sudden it's saying, well, Pat McFadden, he had this role in terms of the Royal Mail, so he has these questions to answer here. So I think there's an incentive almost from every one of the three main parties mm-hmm. to effectively be part of that response and try and bring, uh, you know, Decades-long problem to some sense of resolution.
0: Yeah. So Casey says, political problem for every party, but Ed Davey certainly in the most hot water over this issue. Isabel and Lee Anderson, you you mentioned Lee Anderson's question, which I think is is perhaps worth hearing a clip of. Now, during this scandal, the leader of the Liberal Democrats was the the minister in charge of the post office. Where is he? In charge Where is he? of Where is he? the post office. Um, this is the same Liberal Democrat leader who in the past has called for the resignation of over 30 prominent people in this country who have made mistakes in their job. So does the Prime Minister agree with me that the leader of the Lib Dem should take his own advice and start by clearing his desk, clear his diary and clear off? Yeah. So how do, you, how do you think Ed Davey is going to be affected by this? Do you think he'll have to give back his, his knighthood?
1: I mean, we're currently at the stage of a, of a scandal where everyone wants scalps and scapegoats and even I mean I I think it'd be very difficult for him to hand back his gong without also resigning the Lib Dem leadership so I I think there'd have to be some kind of killer piece of evidence for that to work Um, and I think it's really interesting how um, the Lib Dems have been really an overdrive, sending out accusatory press releases saying, you know, Oliver Dowden has questions to answer over Paula Venables um, and the Cabinet Office and, you know, the compensation has to be as quick as possible and all that sort of thing. So they're trying, I think, firstly to to engage with it on a political level as all the parties are, but also to try to to deflect. And as Katie says every party has got some kind of issue on this because the whole system moved too slowly and um, there is a cultural problem in Westminster of probably listening to people who are in power, in organisations who sound more like the politicians who they're dealing with than um, the sort of, you know, uh, uh, as I suppose has been described quite a lot this week, the little people, those who are actually, you know, working on the front line who are the sub postmasters. So that's been interesting. But I think if you look at how many people in this country have heard of Ed Davey, it's, it's quite small. It's quite a small number. And what this has done is meant that more people have heard of Ed Davey now, and the first time they've heard of Ed Davey is in connection to this scandal. And so that is not good for Ed Davey, uh, even if he's able to... And we sort of say that the, you know, the greatest inconvenience of handing a gong back is ultimately that your name's a bit lighter. E- even if he's able to keep the ornaments around his name, he has got a- an association for the members of public who are paying enough attention to this case uh, that is not positive, and will make it harder for him to call on other people to resign over the next few months. Um, and one of his hobbies is indeed calling for people to resign. <laughs>
0: And, Katie, the post office scandal was actually sort of secondary to the main topic of discussion at PMQs today, which was migration. Now, you wrote a blog on Coffee House saying that the battle lines are set to be drawn as the safety of Rwanda bill comes to the Commons next week. What should we expect?
2: Yeah, so we talked about this briefly yesterday, and that was before uh, we started to get a sense of the amendments. And, you know, and I think what I said yesterday was the One Nation group, in theory, would have the most power at this stage because they could potentially work with the opposition, whereas the right of the party don't really have friends to work with because Labour and Lib Dems do not, as much as they want to make life difficult for Rishi Sunak, they don't want to vote to toughen up the bill. They would only vote to either soften it or to end the bill. (laughs) And therefore, I think we now see in the hands, though, in the sense that last night I was at the One Nation drinks and some very choice statements from Matt Warman on the One Nation MPs where he gave, uh, you know, a welcome speech where he ultimately talked about institutions and said, we One Nation Tories, this was the the general uh, sentiment, have faith that Britain is who we are because it can take a leading role in the world, rebuilding institutions like the ECHR from within. Now that's quite clearly... A response to the right of the party, he would like to leave the ECHR, so um, not to be within it and not to rebuild it from the inside, said, we know that the government is at its best when its bravest legislation is on the right side of international law unamended and that is the position of the one nation mps which is they want the bill to get through at committee stage with no amendments added so they're not looking to team up with other parties to cause problems so that is a little bit of relief for rishi sunak Mm -hmm. the problem is the mps on the right of the party do want to add amendments and we started to see their hand being shown in the sense of robert Jenrick and bill cash, the leaders of the group in terms of putting forward their amendments when it comes to ways to ignore pyjama injunctions as they are known from the ECHR, when it comes to trying to limit individual claims more so and notwithstanding clauses, we've heard about to try and further those. And I think that without getting too into you know who briefs what, it's been quite clear in the past few weeks there is a campaign going on by you know some in this group to push the case, uh, we keep seeing these documents suggesting Rishi Sunak didn't back Rwanda because there's chance that he queried some issues, mm. which I do think reflects probably does reflect some things he said at the time, but he did do it as, in the role of chancellor. Mm-hmm. And if you're a chancellor, you are going to query some things in that role when it comes to cost. It's part of your job. But you are, for you know, people trying to suggest he wasn't on board. Also, this legal advice that keeps emerging, which is, you know, saying this doesn't work in this. Mm. And these amendments are very much aimed at saying, well, look at the legal uh, advice that somehow leaked. These amendments fix that. Now, do this group have the numbers? MPs backing them, is around 30 at the moment, include Danny Kruger, Suella Bravman. At the moment, they do not have the numbers. And even the rebels will say, we don't think we're going to pass the amendments. So it's actually, in a way, less about what happens Tuesday, Wednesday next week. Mm-hmm. Or, it, I mean, or to, to understand it this way, in the sense, what the rebels are effectively saying is, work with us on these amendments and listening to us. Otherwise, when the bill comes down to third reading, we could vote with Labour to vote down the bill entirely. And Robert mm-hmm. Jenrick today has said if his amendments are not taken in or listened to, he could vote against it. So now Rishi Sunak has a choice to make, which is, does he think, I would better work with the rebels, avoid a Tory rebellion, which in itself is damaging, and uh, avoid some issues at third reading, even though that is going to antagonise the One Nation MPs who want it unamended? Or does he think, you know what, these five families, they made a lot of noise, just before Christmas there was a lot of talk that they might vote it down at second reading they didn't have the numbers I'm going to face them down and think they don't have it and that's the decision he needs to make over the weekend
0: great well thank you Katie thank you Isabel and just before you go did you notice any mistakes in this podcast any inaccuracies or perhaps even a sloppy editing job then you could be exactly what the Spectators broadcast team are looking for. We need a new producer to join our team and produce podcasts like Coffeehouse Shots and our YouTube shows. To apply, follow the link in the podcast description.